Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I tell you what, man, I was uh, just watching some, some stuff. It's uh, spring games are happening now for football. And so uh, it reminded me of a story. A college football coach was uh, faced with the possibility that a star player might be declared academically ineligible. So he went to the, the teacher whom he was filling with, just happened to be his math professor, and he begged the math professor not to flunk his, his student. The math professor said, well, I'll tell you what, coach, I'll ask him a question in your presence. And if he gets it right, I'll pass him. Well, the athlete was called in and the professor turned to the athlete and he said, all right, listen, young man, what's two plus two? Four, said the player. Then the coach jumped in and said, please, please give him another chance. Just give him another chance. Well, I'm not sure if the player or the coach needed a second chance. You ever been there? You ever needed a second chance? You ever been in a situation where you deeply messed up and you wanted another chance? Another chance to make it, right? Maybe it's your marriage today. Maybe you're looking for another chance. Could believe that you've blown it at your job. You made a horrendous mess of all the opportunity given you, and you are asking your employer for another chance. Maybe it is that you failed miserably as a parent, and you're longing for another chance with your son or your daughter. Maybe you lied, and it's cost you deeply. Maybe you did something with somebody that you know you shouldn't have done and now you're left forever scarred and wish you could have another chance. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, is there any hope for somebody like me? Is there any way that I can ever have things made right? For sure as Jesus has risen from the dead, I want to tell you there's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for anybody in need of a second chance. You see, Jesus has been arrested and it's before the officials, these religious officials, He's before them and it's the night before they're going to crucify Him and we read some dramatic words. We find them in the book of Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a slave woman came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it. For them all. I don't even know what you're talking about. And when he'd gone out to the gateway, another slave woman saw him and said to those who were with him, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied it. But this time with an oath. I swear I don't know the man. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You really are one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then Peter began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the statement that Jesus had made, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus has loved Peter very deeply. 
so patiently and he served him and he's getting ready to lay down his life for Peter. And Peter then just outright even denies even knowing Jesus. He weeps bitterly because he knows he's failed Jesus and he knows now that Jesus knows that he's failed him. Jesus had told him, he told Peter that you are going to deny me, but Peter said, Lord, I would never do that. Peter's filled with brokenness and has to carry on as a a man in need of a second chance because here's the thing. Peter doesn't know if Jesus is going to get up from the dead. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've wept. Maybe you've failed. Maybe not only Jesus, but people in your life and you weep bitterly not knowing that there's any hope of anything coming to life after your failure. Maybe you're filled with grief this morning over where your life is and the choices that you've made. You simply can't believe that you're now experiencing something you thought and vowed you would never do. Anybody ever been there this morning? I said I would never do that. But yet you did. I have some hope for you. I have some good news for you because Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, completely changes everything for those in need of a second chance. I want to read to you from another text and show you how At Easter, God shows us He's the God of second chances. And this time, I'll ask you just to stand for the reading of God's Word, if you would. I'll be in Mark chapter 16. As you stand to your feet, maybe you can turn in your Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen behind us. You can find a Bible somewhere around you in the chairs. Underneath those chairs, there's a copy of God's Word. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, even though it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who's been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. And now verse 7, I want you to pay close attention to verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee and there you will see him. Just as he told you, you may be seated and may God bless the reading of his word. Here's something that I find interesting in this text, and maybe you noticed it because I put the focus there. But did you notice those two words? There's two words there that are they're incredibly important. They are the words and Peter. It's in those two words that we have the greatest news of the second chance. Because you see, if we're thinking about this, we may have expected words of antagonism. Something like this, go and tell his disciples and make sure you tell that weak man Pontius Pilate and that evil man Herod that I've got up. We may have even expected words of appreciation. Something like this, go tell the disciples and make sure you tell John because remember, John took care of my mother when everybody else fled. Or make sure you tell Nicodemus and Joseph because they took care of my body after the crucifixion. But but no, those weren't the words. Go tell his disciples and Peter. 
They're not words of antagonism or even appreciation. They're words of affection. Can you imagine what it did to Peter's heart when he heard those words? Jesus wants to speak to me after I denied Him? I mean, Jesus wants me personally to know of His resurrection after I denied even knowing Him? See, Peter needed a second chance. And that's who Jesus is. He's the God of the second chance. This, this, this text here this morning tells me a couple of things. It tells me, first of all, that the second chance is emphatically possible. Second chance is emphatically possible. Those words come to Peter like a, like a clean cold of fresh running water to a man who's been dying of thirst. Peter assumed and thought that the Lord would disown him. When Peter heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead and wanted him to know about it, Peter then knew the second chance is possible. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard those words that give you the hope of a second chance. And I want you to hear them this morning. Because Jesus has risen and through me this morning, He's telling you, go tell His disciples and Mike that I'm alive. Go tell His disciples and Luke and Sarah and Jessica and Matthew and Wayne and Philip and Lori, go, go, tell, go tell him, and you put your name there because he wants you to know this morning, he's telling you that he's not in the grave, and because he's not in the grave, you don't have to stay there either. The Bible talks about people who were given second chances all the time. I mean, when God wanted to deliver a nation, it didn't seem like the, the best person ever would be to pick a murderer to lead a nation, yet God God chose Moses who had killed an Egyptian and then ran for 40 years. And God had to find him on the backside of a desert. And God comes to him in a burning bush and says, Hey, I want to give you a second chance. You're going to lead my people Israel. When God wanted a king for his people, it wouldn't seem like one of those who, whose heart was full of lust would be a good pick. But yet David who lusted after one of his own soldier's wives and then committed adultery with her and then even had her husband murdered. That's who God chose. And this man who did all that is later known as the, the man after God's own heart. God is the God of second chances. When God wanted to bring the message of His forgiveness to a very wicked people, a weak and wayward, wimpy prophet named Jonah, would not have seemed like a good pick. Yet Jonah, who ran away from God, was swallowed by a big fish, and then spit out, was able to lead one of the greatest revivals among one of the most wicked people in all the world. Because the Bible says in Jonah 3, verses 1 through 2, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, say it, church, the second time. <laughs> You know, and I think it's possible after what you've done or after what has happened, but because of the resurrection of Jesus and His payment for all of our sin, His forgiveness, His mercy, and His grace, we have a second chance with God. The second chance is possible, but listen to me very carefully. Please do not misunderstand me this morning. The second chance is possible, but it is not automatic. Judas. One of the original disciples did something worse than even deny Jesus. He betrayed Jesus the night he was crucified. 
He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And he too, the Bible says, like Peter, went out and wept bitterly. But he didn't get a second chance. He was remorseful, but not repentant. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him, what, I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, he said, go and sell all you have and then come follow me. The Bible tells us that the rich young ruler went away sad. and He didn't get another chance. Why? Because even though you're remorseful, you have to be repentant to get the second chance. Peter, the Bible says, wept bitterly over the fact that he had sinned against Jesus. He, hadn't, he wasn't weeping just because he'd gotten caught. He wasn't sorry that there were consequences. He was sorry that he had broken Jesus' heart, that he had sinned against the King of Kings. Jesus didn't offer Peter the second chance because he was remorseful, but because Peter was repentant. Peter had a change of mind and heart that led to a change of life. And the Lord spoke these words to Peter, not because he was broken over his situation, but because he was broken over his sin. That's why the resurrection of Jesus gives us the second chance, because any and all who come to Jesus and are broken over their sin find another chance. Amen. I have anybody out there that likes to play golf, anybody remotely, any of my friends out there. I have two people. Okay, let me ask another question. Has anybody ever heard of the game golf? <laughs> Amen, all right, now I'm talking to y'all, all right? Well, I don't really know a whole lot about golf. I'm really not that good, but for some reason I like to play it. I'm horrible at it, but there's something in golf that I really love. <laughs> it's like my favorite word in all of golf. It's not an eagle. It's not par. It's that word mulligan. I love the word mulligan. Anybody know what mulligan means? Yeah, the word mulligan means it's kind of like a second chance. It's a do-over. And so what happens is you, if you put the ball on the tee and you do like I do, and you swing and just the air knocks the ball off, or when you hit it, it goes on to the next golf course, you need a do-over. Or your score is going to really stink. Well, in scratch golf, or when you play pickup with your friends and stuff, you get mulligans all the time. It's not no big deal. It depends on who's playing. <laughs> You don't want to play with Jeremy Connor, but that's a different story. Um, the cool thing is, is I was once asked to play at a tournament with a bunch of men, and it was a charity fundraiser for, for a local uh, place in town. And, and the cool thing is they were selling these mulligans for $25 a piece. Now, normally in a golf game, you only get one mulligan. But here they were offering as many mulligans as you had money. Well, that sounded fun until you realized that I was a broke seminary student. <laughs> I couldn't even pay the fee to get in the tournament, much less get a mulligan. And here's something worse. The team that they put me on were all really good golfers, and they begged me to buy mulligans. I'm like, please, please, we want to win, and we know you need the mulligans. Well, um... I couldn't buy any, and so as I was getting ready to kind of go up and we were moving out toward the first tee, somebody came and they said, hey, Dr. Brown, we, we have some good news for you. And I said, this is great. I love good news. What is it? They said, uh, man, somebody has purchased four mulligans for you. I looked at my teammates. 
I'm like, you guys are awesome. And they're like, we have not, we don't know. We don't, we didn't do it. We promise we didn't do it. Well, I mean, I was stoked. And here's the truth of the matter. I used every single one of them. And we came in second place. But if it, you're saying, dude, what's that got to do with Easter? Why are you telling a story about Molly? Because here's what I want you to know. You may, like, you may feel like today that you're in a place where you've swung and you've missed. Or you've teed off on somebody and you wish you could get it back. What you've done is you've ended up in the weeds and it wasn't anywhere where you thought you were going to be and you're wondering, can I get a mulligan? But here's where you're at is where I was at. You can't afford a second chance. But can I tell you, somebody's already paid for it. Somebody's already paid for your second chance. And as many as you need as as many as He's paid for. You will never run out of mulligans with King Jesus because His grace is greater than all our sin. Jesus died and paid for how much? He paid for all of it, church. The second chance is an emphatic possibility because Jesus purchased our mulligan when He died on the cross. Now here's the thing. Now you just got to use it like I did. Peter, the one who was given this second chance, after he'd been given the second chance by Jesus, he's preaching a little bit differently in Acts chapter 3.19. Watch. He uses the same words. He says, therefore repent. Not just be sorry about it, but repent. In other words, turn from it and return. He's clarifying there. The turning means I was getting away from you, Jesus. Now I'm going to return to you. Kind of the same word. So that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Hey, this happened to me. It can happen to you. Peter experienced those refreshing times in Jesus because he wasn't just remorseful. He was repentant. The Bible also speaks to this in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret. That's what leads the salvation, but the sorrow of the world only produces death. This morning, I wonder if you are in need of a second chance, and would you, would you be willing to repent of your sins and come to Jesus this morning? You see, if Jesus had never been raised, there would never have been those words, and Peter. If Jesus had never been raised from the dead, we're still stuck in our failure, our sin, and our mistakes. But the resurrection means that the second chance is emphatically possible. But here's something else it means. The second chance is explicitly personal. Explicitly personal. I mean, think about those words, and Peter. That's personal. That is something that Jesus does so well because John 10.3 says something. John 10.3 says, To him the doorkeeper opens and his sheep listen to his voice and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus knows your name this morning and he's calling you home. The second chance is explicitly personal. I want you to notice something else about that name, Peter. You may not have really caught it, so, so I want to teach it to you this morning. The angel didn't say, go and tell his disciples and Simon. Simon was Peter's old name. The first time Jesus saw Simon, he referred to him by his old name, but then Jesus changed his name and said, you're no longer going to be called Simon, you're going to be called Peter because Peter means rock. And upon the rock, upon your confession, Peter, 
I'm going to build my church. God saw amazing potential in Peter, even knowing that Peter would soon deny him. What's interesting is that when Peter denied Jesus, he was acting like Simon. But when Jesus met him, he referred to him as his new name, not his old name. Jesus told the angel, hey, you go and tell the rock that I've, I've risen. When Peter heard the angel use that name, he knew it was personal with Jesus. Perhaps you failed and, and lost all hope. And I want you to know that Jesus not only makes the second chance possible, but he personalizes it just for you this morning. I think there's probably a little pause when the angel delivered that message. I think it was like, go tell his disciples. And Peter. You know, the Lord still personalizes mess ups and failures and deeply discouraged people like you and me. He personalizes his message to us. And he will use us to change the world. Sin and bad choices can do many things. Folks in this audience today, if you're listening to me by, by way of our internet, I want to speak a special word to you this morning. Those of you who are live casting with us this morning, can I just tell you this morning that sin and our bad choices and, and, and all the things that we do can wreck hearts, they can tear apart homes, they can crush our plans, they can kill our dreams, but there's one thing, listen to me this morning, there is one thing that sin cannot do. It cannot. It cannot cause God to stop loving you. It can't make God love you any less. And it can't make God love you any more. God personally loves you and calls you by name today. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Go tell His disciples and Levi. And John and Lucy, and Mary. He makes it so personal to you. For those of you who have kids or ever been a kid, really which is all of us, right? It's kind of like the golf thing. I'm just trying to relate to everybody. You may remember playing with your dad. Here's something about my kids, man, that anything they do with me, I always win. And that they always, I mean, it's like we get into a thumb war and, and they're like, you got bigger thumbs than me. I'm like, look at me. I'm shorter than, than uh, my thumb is no bigger than, than anything. I don't have big thumbs. I'm like, well, it was bigger than mine. That's why you win. I don't know. And they play thumb war and they like, all right, one more, daddy, one more. All right, let's do it again. Then we go upstairs and we play video games. And after I win, they're always like, please, just one more chance. You've been doing this your whole life. I'm like, I can't even see. I'm colorblind. I, I, I can't even see what's happening on the screen. How, I, no, I just, it's the way it is. Oh, please, can we just play one more time? Yeah, yeah, we can play one more time. Sometimes they come up with the weirdest excuses. Y'all know how kids are. But, but like when they come to you to sing a song for you, right? They've been practicing this song and they've learned it at school or at church or somewhere. And they're like, Daddy, I want to sing this song for you. And you're like, go for it. And they mess up. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Like, I, I wouldn't start it right. Let me clear my throat. Let me, and then you're like, can, can I do it again? Sure, you can do it again. Absolutely. But when like your, your little girl learns some dance, you know, and she's twirling around and she's got all this and she's made all this up and she comes and she's like, she does it and she trips. And she's like, okay, okay, wait. I was just pretending. Let me start again. Can I get another, another shot at it? You're like, absolutely, sweetheart. You can have another chance. Well, well here's what I'm, I'm wondering. Why is it that we're always willing to give our kids 
a second chance when they mess up. You want me to tell you why? It's because you love them. That's why. Because it's personal. We give them another chance because of a personal love relationship with them and we want them to get it right. The reason the second chance is explicitly personal is because Jesus loves you and wants you to succeed. The Bible says in Isaiah 49, 16, it says, Behold, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. He not only knows your name and has it written on his palm, but he even knows how many hairs are on your head. Now for God, it's easier for him to count some than it is others, but he still knows how many hairs you have on your head, Wayne. Luke, personalizing it, brother. Luke 12, 7. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. Did you hear that? Do not fear. You are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. Did you know that? In Jesus, God thinks you're pretty special. Zechariah 2, 8, the Bible says this. For the Lord of armies says this. After glory, He has sent me against the nations that plunder you. For the one who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Did you know that's how God feels about you? The second chance is possible and personal through a a relationship with Jesus. It comes by placing your personal faith just like Elijah did. His personal faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So I'm asking you today, would you like to personally know Jesus today? The second chance is emphatically possible. It's explicitly personal. Thirdly, the second chance is exceptionally private. Exceptionally private. There's some amazing words found in 1 Corinthians 15. 3-5. Three through five. The Bible says this, For I delivered to you as a first of importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now watch this. And that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Isn't it amazing that not only did the Lord tell the angel to get the message to Peter, But then Jesus went to Peter himself in private and told him that message. We may never know what happened in that meeting, but I can imagine it was very emotional and life-changing for Peter. I can imagine that there were some precious words spoken by Peter through his quivering lips, accompanied by deep sobs and long pauses of, of just silence. I think Peter probably ugly cried when Jesus showed up. I'm sure there were many assurances of Jesus' love for Peter. Peter, I love you. Peter, I love you. Peter, you know I loved you. And Peter, I know you love me. You're going to mess this up. But listen to me, Peter. Rather than make you do that out there in private and let everybody see you ugly, uh, I'm public, rather than let people see you ugly cry, I came to you in private, Peter. You denied me out there in public, but Peter, I come to you very privately to restore your dignity because I'm the God of the second chance. I think Peter saw the wounds in Jesus' hands, his feet, and his side. I think Peter got an up-close version of the scars on Jesus' forehead from them pushing the crown of thorns. I think Peter looked at his back, and when he went to hug him, he was like, does that hurt? Oh no, does that hurt? Peter, the words, I don't even know that man. Jesus forgives him privately. 
want you to hear this. The second chance cannot happen without a private encounter between you and Jesus. John chapter 8, we find a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. She's in the deep need of a second chance. The evil religious people bring her to Jesus and tell Jesus the law demands that this lady be stoned. Jesus makes a remarkable statement. He says, okay, you want to stone her? Then the one who is without sin should be the first one to cast the stone. The Bible says slowly, from the eldest to the youngest, they all begin to leave. She had blown it. She, she had failed. She had been caught. She was broken. And there she was before Jesus. And what does Jesus do? John chapter 8, verses 9 through 11 say this. And now when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman where she was in the center of the courtyard and straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, well, I do not condemn you either. Go, and from now on, do not sin any longer. Here's what I want you to notice, though. Jesus waited till they were all alone. And in private, He forgave her for such a public sin. He restored her dignity. He restored her value, her importance, and He loved her deeply. The reason Jesus could forgive her because He was God in the flesh. He went to a cross to pay the wages of sin, which is death. He was buried and raised to prove that He could forgive her and that His sacrifice was pleasing to the Father. And here in just a few moments, I'm going to give you a chance to have a private encounter with Jesus Christ. And maybe you want to meet with Him and ask Him to forgive you of all your sin to come into your life and make you new. The second chance is emphatically possible. It's personal. It's private. And lastly, very quickly, the second chance is eternally profitable. The second chance is eternally profitable. The second chance absolutely changed Peter's life. Peter went on to become one of the most influential and important leaders of the early church. In the book of Acts, Peter continually says these words. You can go home later and read it. Peter keeps saying these things. We can't help but speak of the things we've seen and heard. Peter is beaten for Jesus. He's imprisoned for Jesus. Eventually, Peter is crucified upside down because he doesn't consider himself worthy enough to be crucified the way Jesus was. And it's all because of those two little words, and Peter. You see, you and I, we keep a record of people's wrongs. We keep a record of people's failures. We often forget people's strong points. Some of us may have wanted the message to be, Go and tell his disciples, but don't tell Peter. That guy's a complete failure. Remember, he tried to walk on water, and he failed at that too. He denied the Lord not only once, but, but three times. I mean, tell everybody else, but forget Peter. You see, you and I can get up from our failures because God is a God of the second chance. It's, it's profitable. In John chapter 21, Peter is restored to the Lord. And after reaffirming his love three times, one for each of his denials, Jesus says to Peter in John 20, 17, He said to him on the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, 
you know all things. You know that I love you. And here's what Jesus says. Peter didn't say, well, uh, Jesus didn't say to Peter, well, you know what? You don't get another chance, Peter. He said to him, tend my sheep. You see, the Lord Jesus offers the second chance to anybody who would follow him. And when we follow him, it's filled with so many good things. Jesus took the one who needed a second chance and made him a faithful leader who's reached countless people with the good news of Jesus. He can take a mess and make a message out of it. Failure failure is not final with Jesus. Do you know that today? I read a story about the Department of Social Services in Greenville County, South Carolina. The Department of Social Services sent the following letter to a deceased individual. I'm just going to read part of it. Here's what they sent. Your food stamps will be stopped effective March 1992. They're stopped because we've received notice that you have passed away. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstances. Well, that's the government for you. After you get past the humor of that, let me remind you of something. You and I can't get the benefits of a second chance unless there's a change in our circumstances. The Bible says that we are dead in our sin. That we must be born again to inherit eternal life. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Elijah said it best. He said everybody sinned. It's the truth. The Bible also says in Romans 6.23 that because we have sinned, that the wages of sin, in other words, what we get because of that is death. That means physical death. That means we already are spiritually dead. And it'll never change. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then how do we get the second chance? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10.9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says in John 11.25, it says these words, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. Here in just a moment, I'm going to offer you the chance to receive a change in your circumstances. I'm going to give you the benefits of being born again, to be forgiven, to be made right with God, to come alive in the Spirit, to have eternal life, to have God as your Father. Because the second chance is possible, personal, private, and profitable. Jeremy, I wonder if you and the band would make your way here. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but let's go back to the corridors of the Old Testament. There's this man by the name of Abraham. Do you know Abraham? Abraham's this old patriarch of old, and God used him way back in the Old Testament. But we find Abraham, and there he is in a situation There's been a famine and he's running and he's looking for food and he gets into this place where there's another king and he lies to the king about his wife, Sarah, being his sister. But it's interesting because God gives him another chance and now we know Abraham as a friend of God. Maybe we should fast forward to the New Testament and after the resurrection because there's this guy, we call him Doubting Thomases because there's Thomas and he's doubting and, and he needs to see proof of the nails and Jesus' Jesus's hands and feet. He needs to see the scars. He needs to see the proof. And God says, hey, you know what? Here I am. Look at me. I'll give you another chance. And then we know that, that Thomas goes on as a great missionary and leads almost all of India to Jesus. 
Well, there they are. There's James and John. They're arguing over who's going to be the first in the kingdom of heaven. Just doing what they typically do. But, but Jesus says, you know what? You guys are arguing. I'm going to be crucified. This is bad timing, but I love you. I'll give you another chance. And one of them goes to die as a martyr, and one of us writes the book of Revelation for us. There he is, John Mark. He's fired up for Jesus, going on his first missionary journey, and he quits. But I'll give him another chance. As a matter of fact, it's going to be so awesome that he's going to write the book of Mark for us, and that's the book that we're reading from this morning. Huh. Got it, the second chance. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he has risen. I used to live in Idaho for a while when I was in the second grade. So this story I read this week kind of related a little bit with me in some way, but not in others. The police stopped a teenage girl in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho after complaints that a car had been going around the neighborhood in reverse for a couple of hours. The girl told police that her parents had let her use the car, but she had put too much mileage on it. And she said, I was just going around in reverse trying to unwind some of the mileage. Can I share with you this morning that you don't have to keep going backwards? What you need to do today is come forward. You need to come forward to this altar. You come forward and grab somebody by the hand up here and say, man, I need Jesus. I need the resurrected King in my life. Or, man, I've messed it up and I know Jesus, but I need another chance today. Can you pray for me? Or maybe some of you need to just weep here and ask the Lord to see your heart and restore you. Maybe some of you need to thank God that He's given you the second chance. Amen. I want you to know that all you have to do, that anybody that wants to receive Christ this morning, just come and pray with one of us who will be up here at the altar. So I wonder right now, would you stand to your feet with me? And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you need Jesus or you need to pray about anything, we'll be here to receive you. Let me pray. We'll sing as you come. Father, would you please minister your resurrected power now. And I pray it in your name. Amen.